And welcome to The Missing Voice, a podcast about gender in music. My name's Isabel and I'm going to be accompanying you through episode three, where I'll be talking to Rachel McCarthy about pregnancy, songwriting and performing. So, uh, Rachel, here we are again in my living room um, with a cup of tea and you've got a nice non-alcoholic beer. Mm. You lucky girl. Yeah. Um, so... Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and um, agreeing to talk with us. I really wanted to get you on because not only are you a really talented musician and um, and also many other things as well. Um, you're one of these kind of renaissance ladies, uh, really a brilliant visual artist and brilliant um, photographer and also musician. But also you are about to go through a very big change in your life because you are pregnant. Yeah. Uh, really very pregnant right mm-hmm. now. Um, and I thought it would be a great time to get you on just to talk to you about not just your experiences to date, but how you're feeling going on in the future. So um, so let's just kick off maybe if you can tell people a little bit about who you are, if people don't know who you are. Yeah. Okay. I'll go for it. <laughs> I am Rachel McCarthy, formerly known as Rachel Ann Coulter. Um, I used to play in a band called Farriers. And um, now I play with the uh, Darkling Air and say I play with them. We don't gig that much, but um, I'm also finding it hard to breathe <laughs> while singing <laughs> at the minute. But uh, yeah, so I'm hoping to pursue that though through everything. I've only got seven weeks or so of pregnancy left, all being well, and um, just keep writing. Yeah, that's what I do really. I think primarily that's kind of mainly what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. And and so how many gigs have you got coming up before the just the one? Yeah. Um uh just the one. I think it's also quite close to um it's quite it's close enough to the due date and I'm already feeling actually even like back in in January when I did a gig, I was feeling the effects of I don't know, was it what squashed lungs and all the rest of it. Um so I deliberately didn't actually book many gigs coming up mm-hmm. soon, but hopefully there'll be a lot more after. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, before we start talking more about um, now and in the future, it'd be great if you could just tell us how you first got into music and why you got into music. It's funny how I um, first got into music. There was probably one moment which kind of was the the best moment for me in secondary school um throughout primary school i know it's obviously early to be talking about this is when my music career began <laughs> it's not when it began but i used to i love to sing all the time i wasn't particularly interested in playing like a lot of instruments and um actually when i was younger i was sort of in these extra kind of special needs classes as they called them i kind of find um things quite tough in school so I would escape and do lots of creative arty things and um sing all the time um whenever I started secondary school I found it all very daunting and um 
music, even though I did love music, music itself academically, um, in terms of learning scales and learning notes, it was definitely one of my weaker subjects. So I found it quite hard to sit in those classes and feel confident. Um, and I was quite intimidated by the music teacher. I was intimidated by any teacher that taught a subject that I felt that I couldn't do. Um, but in first year, um, she would get the first years together to audition for the choir to see, you know, who the new choir members are going to be. And I plucked up the courage to come and sing. And it was then, because it was really the first time someone said to me, you're fantastic. We're going to get you doing solos. So um, that was a shock and a surprise that all of a sudden something, a subject that I thought that I couldn't achieve in, I loved, um, but I couldn't achieve in, it's all of a sudden it just opened up to me. So that's kind of how it began. Um, and in terms of actually gigging, I started to gig actually before I left school. So my, my parents kind of got very involved in um, what I was doing as a young teenager. Um, they forwarded me on to um, some, was it like a booking agent manager and I actually joined a uh, girl singing group thing, mm. which was, I think I was only sort of, I think I was about 15 at the time and the other girls were about 18. Um, and I did that for like a year or so, a couple of years, and that really threw me in at the deep end in terms of where we played or where we sung or where we performed. Um, one night we'd be up the Shankill, the next night we'd be up the Falls. And it was almost like I had to grow up really fast in that. Mm -hmm. um, and people thought, because I'm very tall, um, people thought I was older than I was. Um, so I always never, well, I never got questioned in terms of like she shouldn't actually be 15 year old shouldn't mm -hmm. be gigging here earning money and maybe having the odd beer mm, yeah <laughs> um but that was a really that was a funny time good that I was thrown in the deep end there but also the gigs themselves are horrendous a lot of the time mm, yeah um, so. so yeah I mean I remember us talking before about this I think this is really interesting for the podcast just yeah. your early experiences of gigging yeah. so maybe you could kind of tell us a bit more what they were like um they weren't all bad you know sometimes um they're like working men's clubs or social social clubs or whatever people are you know like the salt of the earth and they're lovely um but a lot and then a lot of the time because you were playing we, we would change our names sometimes depending on where we're playing what community <laughs> we're playing okay in. so for anyone who's not listening in northern ireland yeah can you oh, explain yes. a little bit why you would do that yeah just the basically the the kind of unfortunately um still obvious division of protestant and catholic communities and areas um that uh if you venture into a strongly kind of protestant area or you know a rougher area whatever they people want to know who you are and where you're from and the same the other way around so basically you kind of pretend <laughs> that you're one or the other or you're neutral mm. um so that was actually a that was a big factor um this is a whole other layer yeah. of um yeah. complication and yeah. pressure and yeah and um kind of uh maybe danger yeah. even and that was all down to the um the venues that we played 
the type of venues that they were. And like I said, not, you know, sometimes people would surprise you in a really nice way and they were great. But unfortunately, as at that time being 13, people thinking that I was older than I was and not also realizing that I was very naive um, when someone, I, I would, it was easy to take advantage of me, let's just say. And mm-hmm. I was, I felt um, taken advantage of even by the people that I was working with. Not the girls that I was singing with, but the people who led that. Mm, okay, so do you mind explaining how you felt like that? Just um, that uh, there, there was supposed to be some kind of understanding that, you know, wherever I play, my parents at least, because I was, you know, so young at the time, my, my parents at least would know where I was. Um, and so, say... New Year's Eve, for example, I was, um, they thought I was playing in one place and it turned out I was somewhere completely different and I didn't even know where I was going. So, um, so that's quite, that's quite scary then in a way, you know, you, yeah. you don't even know where you are. I grew up a really sheltered childhood as well. So this is another thing that might have obviously been obvious to them too. Um, my parents saw this, like the whole singing thing and with this girl group that, um, oh, this is great. And it was all pop music and it was it was back in tracks. It was, oh, it was horrible. But anyway, um, I uh, they saw that as this is the way our girl will, you know, grow up and become a pop star. You know, she'll do this for yeah, a while. It was your big break. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's and it, it was the, obviously the complete opposite. But, you know, I just loved singing. So, um, and also when I, I had a tendency as a young girl, when I got involved in things that I would be, I'd be so apologetic that I'd feel like I'd let everyone down if I backed out. So it wasn't that I wanted to keep doing it. Um, eventually I did back out of it. Um, only when something else, an alternative came along though, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, there were definitely... There were a couple of rough times. I can tell you about a couple if you like. Mm, yeah, well, I mean, I remember us talking before <coughs> and you saying um, just on the kind of gender imbalance um, topic of this whole series, mm. um, some of your experiences when you were gigging, um, some really, really quite aggressively sexist behaviour that you yeah. experienced as quite a, as a young girl. So yeah. do you mind talking a bit about that? Yeah, there was there was one particular occasion that was... Well, it was particularly bad. And um, it was whenever I was playing in um, a bar in Killy Lay, which, um, do we say it again? Let's stop, start. There was one place in particular that was um, quite bad. And it was whenever I was singing in a bar in Killy Lay. And this was actually with the woman who was our manager really she was a singer as well Sonia she was um uh gosh she good bit older than I was anyway you know she'd been maybe 15 20 years older than me and um again like I'm I'm maybe I'm 17 18 at the time but still you know you kind of at that point like I still saw the best in people and didn't want to think that you know I wasn't you know I wasn't not confident but I just trusted people maybe a little too much um and so we go into this place it's like a back bar there's maybe a bunch of like like a couple of tables of 
20 somethings but to me they're like you know the bigger kids and um Sonia and I were waiting to get up and sing and we were just sitting by our table um these kind of uh gigs that we were doing we had to wear kind of like very very similar outfits sparkly black sexy revealed maybe a wee bit of tummy or whatever <laughs> um and um well it's not saying we had we weren't forced to wear but we were encouraged to wear them and and also before there was three of us and they wanted us pretty much to kind of look like a atomic kitten you know they were the big at the time so um we had to be like northern ireland's atomic kitten kind of thing um and so this one night um in this bar in Kelly Lay, Sonia and I were waiting to get up and play. Um it already was very edgy. It had a very kind of bad atmosphere. And there was maybe like two tables full of twenty somethings with, you know, some f- few girls but mostly blokes sitting around. And uh I think my on un- my underwear was probably sitting a wee bit high above my trousers. And so this guy thought it would be a really funny um idea to crawl up on his hands and knees and get my underwear in his teeth and pull me off the back of the stool nice. <laughs> which wasn't very nice at all no. um and obviously like well the girl that I was singing with Sonia she's a lot older than me um kind of you know she would have looked out you know looked out for me and that was completely not on as far as she was concerned um and I just didn't I was in total shock I didn't know what to do um but the doorman was standing there and seen it all and didn't do anything about it no one behind the bar did anything about it and everyone just laughed at us and then we had to get up and sing so we got up and did the gig and then later on that night he came up again and bit me in the stomach like full-on actually just got his teeth right into my tummy and uh yeah just that Sonia actually um kicked him away and he went back and sat with his mates and they all had a laugh about it and the doorman was standing there kind of half chuckling to himself as well and I just I think that was really around the time I was thinking to myself this is I've had enough yeah I don't want this anymore and that was the worst thing Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. happened but um it was all like you know we got very annoyed about it and it was all like oh come on love you can't take a joke love it's just a joke I had a scar on my stomach for years after that um and you know again that naivety too I suppose when you're told it's just a joke leave it and you just want to get out of there you don't want to think about it anymore you don't report it yeah like I didn't the word assault didn't come up into my Mm -hmm. head or anything or Mm -hmm. you know it's just yeah yeah and I think I think you're right that things are kind of normalized to you that that behavior is that you're supposed to just suck it up and spoken to like you're you know this is what you do you know this is what you should expect yeah so um yeah as in you you're making yourself um available by being by performing publicly yeah so you should just take whatever gets thrown at you by an audience even if that's yeah physical assault yeah Yeah. and i find that you know like you probably didn't expect Sonia to throw a punch at him. But I mean, uh, I, I do struggle to sort of think that that would just happen if it were two guys standing up there. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. obviously two women being more vulnerable, especially the younger one. Yeah. The one that, you know, didn't defend herself the first time round. Mm. Um, 
because I mean, apart from it being, um, you know, aggressive and violent and all of those things, it also completely undermines you as a musician. That what yeah. you're supposed to be there to do yeah. is to play music, mm -hmm. and it kind of um, sets this present this tone that um, you're not to be taken seriously. Mm. With, <coughs> you know, and maybe what you're saying is that just right from the beginning, maybe if you'd have been a guy, you'd have been taken more seriously as a musician. Apart from just a, yeah. a person with feelings and... Uh, they still could have taken, you know, um, taken the mick out of me, but, like, they probably would have been less inclined to come up and physically do something to me because yeah. they might expect me to punch back straight away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I were a bloke, I don't know. Yeah. Or fight back. Yeah, well, it's um, almost like... And uh, not that people should should treat strippers like this, but it's almost like seeing you as yes. yeah. a body that's yeah. just there for them to interact with. Mm -hmm. However, they yeah. wish whether that's violently, sexually. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's awful. This also, you know, sort of slightly moving off that point a wee bit, but this also kind of put it in my head that because of the way we, our parents was, whenever I gigged with those three, you know, with those other girls, um, that uh, that's really the main thing that mattered. Mm. is how you look and it's the whole yes the whole package or whatever but we were playing in the cr crappiest of places <clears throat> excuse me playing in the worst of places and um <laughs> yeah it was like you just got far too much like attention in the wrong way yeah so you're saying generally even apart yeah. from that night it, it felt like yeah. that a lot of the time. But I felt like that's what I had to do in order to get paid. If I didn't dress that way, then I got used to also um, another drive for me doing that was and not really complaining about it was the fact that there I was from, you know, 15 years of age um, instead of, you know, just getting a fiver of pocket money at the weekend. I was getting 50 pounds a night, you know, in the weekends for... Um, for gigging and no one else in the school was really doing that or getting that um actually I kind of found there was a little bit of pride in that as well and that yeah. you know I started to earn and you know started paying a wee bit towards like housekeeping and stuff and you kind of started to feel like a grown-up but I think and also, I sorry to interrupt but also for someone who didn't feel confident at school yeah. suddenly you're doing something that you're really good at and yes. you're you're making a living from it and yeah. um yeah, so that that it's it's a complex relationship that yeah. starts unfolding. You know, it's not all bad. Yeah. There are some really great rewards as well. Well, it's you kind of yeah, absolutely. Um, there there definitely rewards, and that, that was you know in a way getting thrown into the deep end. There, I did take away a lot of good stuff from that. Um, and uh, yes, all the the bad stuff that happened was great for me in a way to go right I'm not going to do that again mm. um and also it meant that my parents also wanted the best for me and I wouldn't have told them half the time if there had been or most of the time if there had been any problems I kind of just thought this is the way it is um but in it also meant after after that after I left that I kind of went and started to make my own decisions and looked back into writing my own music um, and I wanted to do live gigs where you know you're 
performing with someone it's live instruments at least as well and I moved on from that to gigging in Jenny Watts around the age of 18, 19. Mm. And was that with your um, <coughs> friend Stephen McCartney then? No, it was actually with uh, Ken Haddock. Oh, okay. So um, Foy used to play that gig with Ken on a, at the time, I think it was a Wednesday or Thursday night. That's Foy Vance. Yeah, yeah. Foy Vance. Okay. And, um, and then he moved off to London um this is years ago now um and then i can through a f- f- like a mutual friend i found out that i could sing and yeah just started mm-hmm. started to sing with him it was me just singing and him playing guitar mm-hmm. and singing but you know we harmonized really well together and got on really well and yeah i just saw yeah it, it's kind of funny <laughs> it was like from Jenny, like, let me say the, the the bar that I was playing in, um, moving from doing all those social clubs and working clubs and really rough places, then going into Jenny Watts initially was like, oh wow, this is amazing! I can relax and I don't mm-hmm. have to fear anything. So you you, know. you felt less intimidated, yes. and less that you were in threat. Of yeah people biting you on the stomach or well that certainly didn't happen in Jenny Watts yeah. but things other things did okay um and but I was a bit more equipped for it so what other things would that be then comments okay comments just you know no no um kind of physical anything mm. you know just comments from just a, a lot of other other men and what kind of things would they be <laughs> always based on your appearance okay um and I was trying to sort of move away from that um would they be sort of complimenting you or would they be asking you why you (laughs) haven't dressed a certain way well yeah they'd compliment me and then if I didn't dress a certain way then it would be the opposite um they would notice Mm um one man in particular I'm not going to name him but uh he was there a lot of the time he would have like almost to a point got kind of annoyed that I didn't make more of an effort if I turned up in a pair of jeans and a jumper mm-hmm. and in fact yeah he would have just come why are you wearing that and what was Ken wearing out of interest <laughs> Ken was wearing his jeans and a shirt that he probably spilled his dinner on <laughs> and <laughs> yeah ex- uh, never mm. ever did anyone comment mm. on what he was wearing mm-hmm. um and I kind of, to a point, just laughed it off, but it started to wear thin and get get very tiring. And now, like I like I have been playing playing there for gosh, like over twelve years. Mm. And I did move from playing there with Ken. I left for a while and came back again and started playing there with Stephen McCartney. Um, and it's funny because now now I expect well, with Steve, if anyone says anything, he's like you know he's straight behind mm. straight behind he's got my back basically mm. <laughs> he gets more annoyed about it than I do I don't need to waste my energy getting annoyed about it but and, I, and has that been nice to have yeah that kind of su- I've male actually support? found more allies than anything else in the um in terms of the music circle with with other guys yeah um, so kind of fellow musicians yes fellow yeah. musicians I haven't had those you know bad experiences from them they've been more supportive and actually in fact 
I think it's shocked them mm. playing with a female musician sometimes, just what people can be like. Because mm. um, again, they don't really. Don't it's really different, get it. yeah. I mean, when someone compliments you too, it's kind of funny because it's, you know, I've had this quite a few times where, or well, actually a lot of the time where they come up to Steve and go, you know, guy woke up, great playing, mate, great playing. I'd be playing the guitar too, like and singing and doing the same thing. Um, and yes, he plays a different style to me, but it doesn't, you know, like they always go, that's really good playing, man. These are excellent, excellent. Oh, you're looking, you're looking lovely, darling. You're looking lovely is what I'll get. Right, <laughs> and it's yeah. kind of like my value in that setup is how I look. I'm still getting that yeah, thing from, from strangers. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting because actually it's something that came up um, in the first podcast that we put out. Um, it's something that the singer Faye O'Rourke talked about um, with this feeling, this real pressure to look the look the part as yes. a female. And that, um, I mean, she was saying how um, from quite early on in her career, she was mixing with a lot of um, female musicians mm. that were really <coughs> successful. And, you know, the kind of Ariana, Ariana Grande's of that, that kind of um, mm -hmm. ilk. And uh, and that she would kind of compare herself to them, and um, it so really st started driving her crazy, and she really lost a lot of confidence. Yeah. And she's just just commenting on how there's so much um, emphasis put on your looks, and it's something yeah. I relate to as a female musician. And I mean, it, by the sounds of it, it's something that you felt from a very early age that oh, yeah. it was more important yeah. almost that you looked the part yeah. rather than that you were a good musician. Yeah, definitely. It's still like I still get comments now i'm 30 <laughs> yeah and um, people it's it's a funny thing and you actually get it people mean well too sometimes like you know the closest people to you even your parents and mm. even whenever at the time i was doing cover gigs and with backing tracks in the very early days and i used to sing a few nights at the you know, local golf club where my parents were members and and you know mom would go are you really going to wear that love? I wouldn't wear that like mm. <laughs> because it wasn't fancy enough or didn't have enough makeup on. Mm. It's so funny, you know, you think you don't want your kids to wear like loads of makeup. On yeah. And you're going, mm. yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing also I feel of growing up a little bit or appearing to grow up more before my time mm -hmm. um, quicker than I than I should have. Um, yeah, so appearance was always something. I was never... Um, I was confident enough in my appearance, but uh, I was just looking back on it now, like I couldn't, I just realized how much it mattered to me, Yeah. almost just, just basically because of what I've been told. But the more I gig with other guys and look around and they're wearing their mothball jumpers and the same clothes they wear every week and I'm... You know, making a subtle effort to, to sort of, you know, yeah, be presentable. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I can't be bothered going out of my way anymore. Mm. And yeah, people just stop. Yeah, stop. No, almost like they completely stop noticing you then, in in a, in a sense. Mm. But they notice you whenever you are totally dressed down, mm -hmm. and they notice you when you're really dressed up. But somewhere in between, you kind of become invisible. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. But and I think also it's it's difficult because it there's nothing wrong with 
dressing in a way, you know, dressing up so that you feel more <coughs> in in a role, you know, like mm. I, I find it really helps that I have Isabel on stage yeah. and Isabel, um, you know, maybe in a video or something. And then there's Isabel who is at home with her boyfriend with my yeah. feet up watching a film. Yeah. And that isn't the same Isabel, you know, yeah. and, and I think it's good to have that line. Um, but you can very easily tip into almost a kind of slightly obsessional, oh, my God, am I going to look all right? Yeah. Am I going to look really fat in that? Yeah. Um, oh, my God, I've, I wore that at a different gig. Everyone's going to yeah. remember, you know. Um, and, yeah, it, it, it can take over a bit over. Well, y y it's <coughs> I guess it's making sure it doesn't overtake yeah. how much time and effort you're putting into your music. Yeah. See, what my feeling now is with doing this original thing with the Darkling Air is that, yes, I, I dress a certain way, actually, a particular way for that. and But to me, that's but that's the way I want to do it. Yeah. And it's not the way I'm expected to do it. Yeah, so it's, it's more like you're crafting there's a, a thing going on. A persona yeah, exactly. rather than just looking sexy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so just to kind of move on to the darkling air then you so you kind of got lots of experience playing with the farriers that was the band that mm -hmm. you and Stephen mccartney founded together and you were very successful um for a long time and wrote together and there was a band with other people involved mm -hmm. um and then now you're doing a new project called the darkling air mm -hmm. and um and so what's changed how ha how have these issues changed in that i mean even just not necessarily focusing on the the um the physical things but um musically i guess as a musician how have things changed for you um things have changed in a way that i stepped up in terms of or stepped up or stepped out into the spotlight a wee bit more out of my comfort zone um, because before with Farriers, it was um, that I, yeah, when I started in Farriers, it was like a new world to me then as well. And I slipped really easily into the kind of backing vocals, backing guitar, especially for one, I've never been confident on the guitar. Um, but I've also never really worried or been concerned or hung up about playing the guitar. Um, so Steve's guitar playing is so distinct and strong um and I just loved though the way our voices were together it was almost kind of like you just know what sound he's gonna make next and likewise he was fantastic harmonizing with me as well I did the occasional um song on lead as well but uh yeah so it was kind of that I in the band it was like we were all buddies it was all very comfortable I didn't really push myself to do more. And I find myself actually trying to write like Steve. Steve's an excellent songwriter. Um, but my style is so different that mm -hmm. I find myself trying to kind of write a wee bit more like him. And then I just couldn't do it. So then I thought, well, I can't write, which wasn't the case. I had something building up inside me for a long time. And of course, even with bands in general, there's always going to be complications and little bits of politics and stuff and you kind of you struggle with yourself mentally and then you struggle with those friendships and things are going you know moving up a level or whatever or maybe basically people are just on different pages and I find that kind of 
sort of was really the the kind of ending of it you know it's like all of these things at once and then whenever um i actually met michael keeney through working with farriers um and that's who you formed the darkling air with yes yeah uh michael has worked with so many people over the years and uh, initially he worked with us um he mixed and mastered our first our Farriers album years ago in our backyard and he was just such a lovely man to be around just mm-hmm. really really good fun and um yeah there was just that feeling of being relaxed but also he was just immensely talented too and um, we started to write a little bit of music together with no intention other than just let's just write a bit of music and have a nice wee time mm. and then uh sort of later down the line we're like oh we should really do something with this this is quite special um and I felt very um I felt um very equal in that yeah the whole writing process now when Steve and I got together to write he never made me feel like unequal no it was just that it in terms of writing it just didn't well, and I guess you'd come from a very different place. I mean, all that yeah. time that you spent with Steve, it sounds like in lots of ways he kind of gave you confidence that had been yes. eroded by those bad experiences in the beginning. Yeah. And then so by the time you meet Michael, yeah. um, you're a very different musician and a different yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah. Dif- and I kind of wanted to take music a bit more seriously. Um, and I feel like... You know, when, when Steve and I got together as well, it all sort of begun with just having a really good time. Steve didn't, you know, do many gigs. and But I'd been gigging for years in terms of doing the cover gigs and I couldn't get, wait to get away from them. And Steve actually meeting him and, like, encouraged me back into it again. And uh, I started to love it again. But I think it's just in terms of, of writing and trying to keep up and wanting to, to be more equal in that, but just through my own kind of feelings and not being able to keep up it's basically just in the end in terms of writing you know equal amounts it just didn't happen yeah. just couldn't ha- I, yeah. I, I couldn't make it happen mm-hmm. um but with Michael it was different it was a lot more it was very patient mm-hmm. we didn't have to we didn't put any pressure on ourselves we were just like let's just you know in the end we thought well let's just write a record that we want to listen to mm-hmm. Um, let's both just get loads of joy out of this and um, I find myself then writing because he plays piano to different instrumentation yeah, yeah. I think that's very important mm-hmm. actually that's why um, the flow of writing changed for me and in fact stuff that I'd written while I was with Farriers written before kind of worked mm. that didn't get used with Farriers actually worked better in that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in that scenario so um uh, yeah, so it's, uh, in terms of um, working together, um, he's a very, very busy man too. Like, but in terms of working together, when we get the time together, it's it's just, it's almost like therapy. It's yeah, like, that's great. And that's yeah. really kind of what, you know, I think I needed. But mm-hmm. also, it kind of gave me personally back a bit of integrity or mm. maybe even like for the first time. Mm, yeah, um, you kind of eventually integrity. found that found that confidence. I think so, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I'd love to talk now um, about 
um how you're feeling you know obviously you you released with michael your first album with the darkling air and it's absolutely beautiful thank you um and so you know obviously you must be very proud of of that but then you've got this big change coming up mm-hmm. where you're going to be giving birth um yeah. <laughs> you know in, in a few weeks and um I just wondered how how you're feeling. You know, has that changed the way that you look into the future now? Um, has it changed your priorities? Um, and and more generally, how you think women who are pregnant are um, treated or encouraged, whether they are or not, in music? I haven't experienced any. Um anything bad in terms of pregnancy and what people's perceptions are um I get there are a few people that have automatic have automatically assumed that I'm gonna stop um but for me it's like well why would I um I've I actually am finding in a place where I feel like I'm doing something that has you know a bit of you know long life in it um It'd feel different if I was still in Farriers, actually, or if I was still doing the other stuff, because that was all a bit more hectic, and uh, we were gigging all the time in places that didn't really pay us, and or didn't pay us very well, or most of the time, and it was, you know, if you were bringing up a child and you need an income, it's pointless running yourself into the ground and having to, you know, obviously try and have kids at the same time. Yeah. But the way that I'm working at the minute and working with Michael it's like it's in our own time um it's independent as well um but already you know it's actually been one year of the darkling air and has paid off more for me more than six seven years of being mm-hmm. in um being in five years in terms of financially mm. um and that makes sense so I want to work more as a writing and recording artist and do a handful of performances a year that we have control of, of how it, you know, how it looks, how it sounds. Um, it's actually the whole package now to me in terms of that is so important, which I didn't really think about it before. Yeah. Just kind of flung on a wee dress and jumped up on stage with my mm-hmm. guitar and yeehaw mm. um and now yeah, there's like physical like, limitations there's a real like there's 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 weeks of planning and thinking about what you know you know what i'm going to do yeah um for for upcoming gigs or whatever but it's it's actually so relaxed at the same time too so it's organized professional and relaxed and i find myself um yeah, it just it suits me a lot better, mm-hmm. and I think that it's completely, completely doable. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping it is. Mm-hmm. Time will tell, but um, I can't see. I want to s- stick within music, but right now I don't want to do anything else other than this project. Yeah, okay, and I mean, clearly there are different um, requirements ap- put upon you as a f- a female parent as opposed to a male yeah. parent. You know, I mean, do you think you'd be <coughs> do you think you would be feeling differently if you were a man yeah. whose wife was having a baby and you're a musician? Yeah. So um, in terms of like society kind of outside of the music circle, you would definitely, maybe some people would look at you a little bit horrified as to you're going out at night and <laughs> not looking after your children. And I do know that, you know, a lot of um, 
a hell of a lot more male musicians out there on the cover gig scene actually um as opposed to female ones um who most of them actually do have kids but uh they're able to go out you know five nights a week and but that's that's their that's their job yeah um i mean i guess that that, you know there is the obvious limitation of that first year at least yeah you're literally going to have a child stuck to your I'm not going to be I'm going to be realistic and, and expect that it will be a quiet year mm-hmm. and it will be quieter than what I planned. And we we had Michael and I had planned to um get a lot of stuff written and get another album out by next summer. But I don't think that's realistic or mm-hmm. the summer. It's definitely not realistic now. And also, you know, at the time, like I wasn't trying for a family and actually I didn't think that it would happen. So it was all a bit of a, you know, nice surprise. Mm. But um, Michael's delighted um, to hear about it as well, and he's excited for us. And and but you know he doesn't want to. We both still do other things in our lives that are hectic. That we want the darkening air to be remain special and remain something that we enjoy. Um, in terms of cover gigs and stuff like that, I don't think I'll be doing stuff like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I've already stopped doing a lot of that kind of thing now um and I wouldn't be getting really maybe heavily involved in other things and that's maybe why I think I can manage it with the darkling air um but I do not I would like still want to remain as a writing and recording artist now which is something that I kind of didn't really think of myself of as before I feel a confidence in it now yeah um and I don't want to I don't want to let that disappear yeah. So it's very important to me to continue, no matter what anyone thinks, does or says. But I know in terms of the other professionals around me, um, in that music circle, all get that and yeah. um, would never, you know, make me feel otherwise. It's it's people on the outside mm-hmm. expectations oh or yeah. you know, or not expectations, just as- assuming yeah that you would want certain you'd be aiming for certain goals yeah no there hasn't been a lot of that there's only been a few wee comments made and stuff but it's it's more people's curiosity Mm -hmm. but definitely have to it's it's kind of it's who i am i have to continue in it yeah yeah well it's good i mean it sounds like you're finding a way to make it work for you you know you you kind of presume that maybe that um a lot of women when they get pregnant and they're a freelance musician that they just have to be like okay that's me done then you know and i do think that happens quite a lot i think that that happens way more than it would happen with guys well you also don't have the security of any you know like when you're when you're doing that kind of thing you're self-employed as well so when you're especially if you're yeah a single parent too it, it must be almost impossible yeah um, and, and I think that also, you know, in, in the defense of male musicians, well, if you do have a, a wife or a girlfriend who falls pregnant, then there's an extra pressure to get out and gig because, you know, yeah, you've got to bring I know income it's in. Funny, so yeah. it, it's different for... Um, I, I would be... I, I do feel like people would see me if I did that. Um, like Paul working nine to five and then I was doing five gigs, you know, a week people would you know Paul's doing his job but I'm abandoning my job Mm, yeah (laughs) is what it would probably look like and Mm. do you know even sometimes like I have that kind of bite or that thing in my head too that you know you you kind of naturally make those assumptions which isn't good yeah it's 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 just the way there's just again we're just like 
we're stuck in this kind of like just slow sort of hangover from the 50s yeah and and I, and I think that also there just are very very fundamental physical differences you know just mm-hmm. especially like I was saying in that first year where you you are gonna have to be there especially if you decide or are able to breastfeed mm-hmm. you know you're you're gonna have to be mm-hmm. there all the time yeah. and um that's that's just something that you wouldn't have as a as a man yeah um and just have that fundamental exactly. difference yeah. automatically yeah. sets up um new limitations yeah. and uh, different possibilities so um yeah I, I think well that those would be the times where I'd be sitting at home um obviously not really being able to kind of leave the house or you know not have a baby by my side or attached to me um but I see that as an as an opportunity as well it obviously if the first year of this little kid's life is kind of nice and <laughs> goes quite smoothly that I will be able that's when I sit in the quiet times and write music yeah and Paul and I just disc- you know my husband and I discussed that no matter what we do like we're constantly playing music in the house just keep doing what we always do um so it's great to have that support from him as well yeah. so um it's funny you know like closer family members he would have been quite quick to comment on stuff like this see that it's paying off for me and see that it actually makes me really happy what I'm doing now um and uh everyone's like yeah cool great mm-hmm. um so uh, I am determined to yeah keep going yeah. with it I think it's actually in my case it would be easier for me to continue on with this kind of thing than go into a, a different career a different yeah. career yeah it might be more traditionally seen as a yeah a mother's yeah. career yeah you know yeah well, that's interesting. Yeah. I think that's really great to hear that you're finding ways um, to make it work and that you see a future, even though you're going to have a really big change in your life. And yeah. Um, yeah, well, I wish you all the luck with it. And um, you won't need it, I'm sure. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for coming and talking to us. It's been really interesting. And um, yeah, best of luck with uh, the new change, but all the songwriting that sounds like is going to come yeah. from that Just quiet as time. As I'm not writing songs about bodily fluids and well, <laughs> yeah well go in the cape bushes footsteps the night. <laughs> w- about washing machines and go for it <laughs> you know i well I, th- I think it's it's actually you know it's it's good to have people going through different experiences so that they can write interesting songs yeah like i'd love to hear songs about being a parent rather than just constantly hearing songs about um relationships and yeah. that's not to say there's anything wrong with yeah. relationship songs but I think I think it's healthy that we start embracing different different experiences Absolutely. within music and and I I'm not too worried about if things aren't you know don't go smoothly in the next yeah. year or so because at the end of the day if the shit hits the fan that's when I can write because when I'm happy and I'm content I'm I can't write anything yeah so yeah. it's I don't have anything <laughs> to whinge about yeah and to vent and to uh, you know. Again, like now, like music is therapy for me in terms mm. of just getting it out there. Um, how I feel that's why I write a lot of melancholy stuff. Um, but you know, transform it into something beautiful. But I can I write whenever things aren't going brilliantly. Yeah. Well. Um. And I've yeah. So maybe I need a, need things to be a bit hectic. Yeah. Again. Well, I'm sure I'm sure <laughs> there will be the the ups and downs, but yeah. um. 
but yeah it's good that you've got something you can channel it into <laughs> well thank you so much Rachel it's been really interesting 